Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man of the year 2099. That's me, ready to save the universe and looking good while doing it. Welcome to Accelerated Visions with your host, Gil Mancha. This is my chronological discussion of the Spider-Man of the future, Spider-Man 2099. Disclaimer, I will be actively getting and collecting volumes and other collections as we go, and I will only cover issues that I can get physically. I'm going to try to stray away from digital because I love physical media, but the Marvel Unlimited app would be a great way to keep up with the podcast. We'll of course start in the 90s with his original self-titled comic. There's a few others, some miniseries, and even some video games that we can discuss. And trust me, I'd love to discuss those down the line. Be sure to hit the follow button on Spotify or your preferred platform to get the episodes as soon as they drop. That said, let's get back to today's issue, Spider-Man 2099, number 6, Downtown. The links will be in the podcast notes. According to Marvel.com, issue number 6 was published on April 1st, 1993. Let's take a look back at what else was happening that day in history. Hey, can I call a timeout? Finally happened. Yes, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston has been dethroned. The top single in the U.S. is Informer by Snow in the U.S. and in the U.K. it's O Carolina by Shaggy. The top of the box office is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Speaking of movies, people are in mourning for Brandon Lee who passed away the previous day while filming The Crow. The lead tip of a bullet from a previous scene had stayed in the barrel of a handgun and ruptured a major blood vessel when a blank was shot at Lee. He was 28 years old. For some of the audience, it's older, and for some it's younger, but either way, it's a tragedy when this happens, regardless of age. The Crow is a great movie, but none of the sequels can hold a candle to it. Apparently there will be a sequel or remake, but I wouldn't hold my breath. To the brighter side of things, the popular video games are Paperboy on multiple platforms, Super Star Wars on Super Nintendo, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on Sega Genesis, and Tecmo NBA Basketball on NES. If TV is more your thing, you're probably watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Married with Children, Adventures of the Little Koala, and Mr. Bean. Children are playing with Pogo Balls, the Sega Genesis, Pogs, and the Talk Boy. Informer is a great song and shattered the myth that audiences wouldn't enjoy a song that didn't have pristine English. Snow sings fast and sometimes it's hard to make out what he says. One part to me sounds like lick your bum bum down. And in my mind, I'm like, that couldn't possibly be it. But it's actually Informer, you know, say daddy me, snow me, I go blame. I lick he boom boom down. Call me unsophisticated, but I don't get it. Snow didn't really get to enjoy his song hitting major airplay because he was incarcerated in Toronto for assault. He'd previously been charged with attempted murder. In 1999, he would later downplay his criminal history as a couple of bar fights. Good song, bad guy. Oh Carolina is a ska song from 1960 by the Folks Brothers. The Shaggy version is a cover, appearing as the lead single of his debut album, Pure Pleasure. It became a hit internationally following its use in the 93 film, Silver, starring Sharon Stone. This reggae version of a ska song is really good and you guys should check it out on the Accelerated Visions radio playlist on Spotify. There we have each of the top songs for your listening convenience and pleasure. I haven't seen Team in T3, heck I only saw the first one like this year. 
so I'm really behind. Don't worry, I did see the Michael Bay ones. I didn't hate them, but I wasn't very upset when they didn't continue. As for games, Paperboy started as an arcade game, but got released to just about every Commodore handheld and system of the late 80s and early 90s. The latest ports were on the Xbox 360 and iOS. In my research, I found a 10-year-old post asking about the 360 version being no longer available to buy, but the user found it in their purchase history. I don't own any Apple devices, so I can't speak to the availability on that platform. Same as last week for Super Star Wars, it's currently on PS4 and Vita. It's critically acclaimed and I own it. I will end it there because I've yet to play it. If you know me, you know my movie, game, and even book backlogs are huge, but I'll take it in content bit by bit. Sonic 2 added the spin dash and tails to the franchise and I think it's a better game than the first. The first was on Sega Genesis and there's a game on the Game Gear with the same name, but I don't think it's trying to be a one for one port. Fast forward and Sonic 2 is available as part of the Sega Ages release on Switch, Android, iOS, and Sega Genesis as part of the game compilation such as Sega Genesis Classics on Windows, Mac OS, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, and again Switch. And then most recently on the Sonic Origins and Origins Plus collection on PS4, PS5, Windows, Switch, Xbox One, and Series SX. I will add the caveat that I've heard that Sonic Origins has a lot of emulation issues, but I don't know if they've been addressed. Tecmo NBA Basketball wasn't ported to anything, but it had a SNES equivalent called the Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. That was also later ported to the Sega Genesis. I didn't really watch much of Mr. Rogers, but it's a classic and some of its documentaries are in my backlog. I think Tom Hanks played him. Married with Children is an underappreciated classic. It's one of those shows where the main character isn't likable and it's fun to see him have bad luck because when he gets good, he's not gracious in victory. I've never heard of Adventures of Little Koala. If it's the right one that I'm looking at, then it was originally produced in Japan and later shown on Nick as part of its Nick Jr. block and dubbed. I would wink, check YouTube, wink if you're interested. I'm only aware that Mr. Bean exists, but lucky for me, it's on Voodoo, Pluto TV, the Roku channel, Prime Video, Breadbox, and Vix for free. I had to look up what a pogo ball was, and it's like two balls stacked on top of each other with a platform in between that you stand on. Pogs are iconic, and I think my brother still has some Power Ranger ones that he's never used. The Talkboy is a novelty toy version of a voice recorder. Some could change your voice and was used in Home Alone 2 to pass along Kevin McAllister as an adult. If you're familiar with any of these things in history, let me know. On the Spotify app, at least, you have a Q&A section where you can reply to my question of what do you think of this issue? While you're there, I have a poll too. What other Marvel hero would you like to see covered like we do Spider-Man 2099? The choices are The Incredible Hulk, Howard the Duck, Venom, and Iron Man. You can pick as many as you want and they'd love to see what people think. You can do it there, social media, or even the YouTube VOD for this episode. That's a taste of what the world was like when Spider-Man 2099 number 6 was published. Let's start at the beginning one last time. I'm reading this from the new Spider-Man 2099 Omnibus Volume 1. The comic was written by Peter David, penciled by Rick Leonardi, inker Al Williamson, colorist Noel Giddens, letterer Rick Parker, and editors Joey Cavalieri and Sarah Massoff. The cover shows Spider-Man in the city lying down over a ledge and about to fall into a body of water, with people with flashlights closing in. 
It's dark with the lights coming off of said flashlights. Doesn't sound too good for Miguel. Above the Spider-Man 2090 name are the words, Downtown is deadly. It continues our trend of our good spider friend being in big trouble on the cover. Let's check out the About This Issue section on the Marvel Limited app for this issue. We know the vulture from modern day Spider-Man, but what does he look like in 2099? Miguel comes face to face with a dangerous new foe who may still have ties to the past. So there's absolutely nothing indicating a new supervillain on the cover, but I'm excited to see a futuristic version of the vulture. Apparently related in some way, could be a great 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 grandchild or just a person who saw Vulture from current day and thought, it didn't really work out for him, but I can make that work. Heck, they made him work in Spider-Man Homecoming, but I don't want to get my expectations that high. Honestly, I'm expecting something kind of like Archangel. It's weird that Miguel will come across a flying villain while in the lower areas of a city. After the break, we'll summarize the issue. Anti-Venom's powers draining his- Because mine are radiation-based, if you have to know. Didn't know. Don't care. What it do, guys? Mondromay here, and if you like board games, especially deck-building games, you should check out at Team underscore Thunder on YouTube. There we have unboxings and games of Legendary, a Marvel deck-building game, the DC deck-building game, the Transformers deck-building game, and many more. That's also where you can find VODs for this and Water Damage, an Aquaman podcast where you can directly leave a comment and we can discuss the issues. Ah, that was a good warm-up, so when do we get a real challenge? I can safely say that most of our issues won't start with excerpts from Edgar Allan Poe, but this one sure does. Lo, death has reared himself a throne in a strange city lying alone, far down among the dim west, where the good and bad and the worst and the best have gone to their eternal rest, the city and the sea. I'm no English major, so my interpretation of this inclusion could differ from yours, and if it does, I'd love to hear yours. I think it's referring to the fact that, as of the last issue, Miguel has fallen deep into the underbelly of the city. Here it may be considered more dangerous than above, it's filled with bad, really bad, and now some good. Now, as for what's actually going on in the scene, we see the back of a three-wheeled buggy that doesn't really look all that futuristic. There's two men in the vehicle, which is armed with a gun. One man remarks how this part of downtown stinks worse every day. The other man tells him he's just in a bad mood, Fuchs. That's all, nothing special about it. Cause he is too and there's one thing that always cheers them up. The next panel we see a close up on a woman with a bag of groceries walking with her daughter. The daughter asks her mom why watchdog men are slowing down and if they had done something wrong. Her mom tells her, just keep walking honey. Unfortunately for them, the watchdog men have a scanner and Miss Kwan on file. Apparently she's two months behind on her security payments, so currently she's not protected. Fuchs asks the man with glasses if he wants to do the honors. He calls him a real pal and tells him to keep the kid entertained while he tries to bring her current, as in to get the protection money off her. He then gives Fuchs his gun in case she gets frisky and tries to grab it off of him. In this panel, we see on the buggy and the glasses man's shirt, their logo. It's a boot. The two get out of the vehicle and stand in front of the woman and daughter. Excuse me, please, you're in our way. The man with the glasses says, Pardon me, ma'am, but our records show that your account with Watchdog Incorporated is in arrears. Taking a second, I've never heard of the word arrears, but according to Oxford, it means money that is owed or should have been paid earlier. Fits a situation as they see it perfectly. Fuchs chimes in. Cute kid, Miss Kwan. 
showing that not only do they know she's late on payments, but they also know her name. Despite this, she tells them their records are wrong, but the glasses man grabs her by the arm and tells her he's sure they can get this straightened out. Let's discuss it. Let go. Meanwhile, Fuchs puts his hand on the child's shoulders. Hey, what's your name? Mine's Frank. So either he's lying about his name, or it's Frank Fuchs. Miss Kwan drops her groceries because the glasses man grabbed her by the other arm. He threatens her, I could come by your place later if you prefer. I said, let go. Not having let go, he tells her they have all of her records, name, address, even work hours. He taunts her saying, don't you know we're a public service organization? Cut back to Fuchs. I know your name's Tommy, right? No, don't look that way, Tommy. Look at me. She looks at him in terror. What grade are you in, Tommy? We see Miss Kwan screaming, eee! But we only get to see Tommy's reaction. Mommy? Thinking quick, Tommy bites Fuchs' hand to try to run to her mom's aid. Ma! Jeez, Fuchs, can't you do anything right? He shoves Tommy into a garbage pile. Now, exactly what he was doing to Miss Kwan is kind of up to interpretation, but this is what she was saying. Please, not in front of Tommy. Please, let her go. My first thought is that he's sexually assaulting her but he hadn't taken off his or her clothes, so I don't want to say it's that definitively, but I feel like that's kind of where it would have gone. It can be sort of backed up by the next line where it says, Frank, try to distract her, lady. Your brat wants to be with mommy. That's her lookout. In the context of thinking it is, that is absolutely and terribly grotesque. Miss Kwan pleads with him. No, stop, please. Everyone turns their attention to the garbage pile behind Tommy. Huh? We get a full page of a weak Spider-Man. Help. Me. Clearly still hurt from being blasted in the prior issue. Even his web foils are damaged. But the suit itself looks pretty good with no visible damage. On the left side we see, Stanley presents downtown. Holy jeez, it's that Spider-Man. The guy they're combing uptown for. Nail him, says the glasses man. Fuchs, whom the glasses guy had given the gun to, shoots twice and misses. Splat. Spow. Spider-Man in turn. Webs him to the nearby wall. Yeah. Fuchs tells the glasses man, the gun, get the gun. Before he can though, Miss Kwan knees him right in the groin. Crunch. Eee. Nice kick, lady. Got him where it hurts. Where am I? What is this place? Clearly Herg and his speech bubbles are all squiggly. Same can now be said of the glasses guy. Uh, uh. Fuchs, however, is quite vocal. You are dead, Spider-Man. You've got no idea who you're screwing with. Grabbing the glasses guy. Shut up, both of you. He pushes the glasses man into Fuchs. Their heads colliding. Oof, wait. Lady, hurts so much. Don't run away. It's no use. With the day she's had, she grabs Tommy and hightails it out of there, leaving Spider-Man alone. Where, where in the blazes am I? He starts wandering. Busted something inside. Stabbing pain. Hurts to crawl. Can barely walk. He stumbles across the watchdog's buggy. What is that thing? Looks like like a hundred years old. I'll cut off Spidey to the point that even though it's three-wheeled and it has police-like features, it kind of reminds me of the Spider-Mobile. The original Spider-Man car with his own color scheme. Even Spider-Man is quoted as saying, that's what I call a fiasco. So I don't think he actually designed it himself. Miguel saying it looks like 100 years old could be referring to the fact that it's not a hover car, but it could also be referring to the fact that it sort of looks like the OG spider car. 
which he's done in the past with the hologram Aunt May and great power lines. Hardware from before time began. Despite this, it tells him, computer, list options. By voice, he operates a vehicle to go to Babylon Towers, but it's outside the perimeter. Instead, he tells it to resume the scheduled cruise just for it to get him out of that area. As it goes, we see a text box that has a quote, Spider-Man is dead. On the next page, we see that Tyler Stone Winston, his assistant, and Sergeant Estevez are going over footage of the public eye's apparent assassination of Spider-Man. Stone remarks his costume is obviously made of UMF or unstable molecule fabric. You can tell the bolts didn't penetrate the suit, but that doesn't protect him from the impact. The internal damage he suffered could have been catastrophic. On top of bleeding internally, he plummeted thousands of feet, possibly to the core of downtown. He asks Sergeant Estevez what inspired him to disobey direct orders not to use lethal force. He denies getting the order and that the comlink must have screwed up. Going with that, Tyler asks him, going with it, Tyler asks him, that screw up wouldn't be related to the fact that Spider-Man injured your sow last week, would it? He's referring to the fact that Estevez's son was a public eye officer that tried to take in Spider-Man, who, still learning his powers, cut his face with the latter's talons. Dropping the pretense of it all being a mistake or miscommunication, he tells Tyler, Sir, he was a public menace. I was acting in the public's best interests. Alchemex is the public's interest. And it is our interest not to harm him. You imbecile. You have no clue what you ruined. Here's where we get my quote of the issue. Son of a... Computer, this laboratory has been compromised. Initiate self-destruct sequence. Ten seconds. Ten seconds? That's barely enough time to come up with a clever explosion-related quip. Ooh, that must really burn you up. So long, Spider-Man. It's been a blast. Oh, she's good. Tyler tells him, get out. You're fired with prejudice. Taken aback. What? What? I have to admit, I picked this quote because this is a panel that I used for years as a Facebook profile picture. In fact, it might have been my first one. Just that incredulous look on Estevez's face, priceless. It's not actually that deep or a memorable quote for most, but it's definitely got some sentimental quality for me. Winston, get him out of here. Mr. Stone, no, I, I've been with the company for 15 years. I, please, Mr. Stone, not with prejudice. Please, Stone, Stone, I'll get you for this. I'll get you, you. Winston escorts him out, moron. Tyler gets a notification. Stone, plug in. The CEO wishes to speak with you. Online, a shadowed figure tells him, Well, Stone, it would seem that the little game hasn't played out as planned. I'm afraid that's correct, sir. Spider-Man was injured, quite likely in a terminal manner. You told us you had the Spider-Man situation in hand, Stone. You said you could unleash it on Stark Fujikawa. Stone had told him that Spider-Man was going to beat the specialist, which would have goaded Stark Fujikawa into a vendetta of honor, which would have distracted them, costing them time and resources. Maybe even end with Spider-Man battling with them and crippling their operations. Tyler tells him that the first part of the plan worked out perfectly, but a rogue officer, I don't want to hear it. The CEO makes a noise. Huh. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. The situation had such potential. A lost Spider-Man is lost potential. Tyler tries to tell him that he was just one man, implying that he couldn't have been that substantial, but the CEO reminds him that the original Spider-Man was just one man. 
And if this one was on par with him, huh. He tells Tyler they've lost faith in him tremendously. He recommends he restore it promptly. That's all. After the call ends, Tyler calls Winston in to get the best public eye squad immediately as in an hour ago. Tyler wants to track Spider-Man's trajectory downtown. If he's dead, he wants a body to prove it. If he's not, then plans continue. Winston reminds him that the Flyboys won't be happy about this. There's not even cameras down there. Separate operations. It's pretty cool. The scene of Tyler talking is high up in a tall building, and the panel shows the readers the point of view going down into said downtown. It's also funny to think that the public eye doesn't have cameras in downtown, so while you might have more privacy, it might also mean that there's potentially more crime going down. I mean, there's the Watchdog Protection Agency, but the people we've seen so far aren't exactly good people. Back to the comic. Tyler tells Winston, I don't give two flips, whether they're sinking in depression or writhing in ecstasy. They're paid to do what I tell them to do. Now make sure they do it. Back to a less than conscious Spider-Man deliriously talking out loud, Lila can barely hurts so much inside. While riding the buggy, he's recounting what had happened after being shot in the last issue. Lila had the craziest dream. Dreamt I was in some nutty costume and I was falling. One of these falling dreams had stuff shooting out my arms. <coughs> Turns out he was able to shoot a line of a web. Slowed me a little. Then I hit a wall. When he swung into the wall, he was able to draw out his claws and use him to slow his fall. Skidded. <laughs> Eventually, he fell into a garbage pile, which is where we found him. Crump. Lila, think I need a doctor real bad. Fortunately, or unfortunately for him, the voice-activated buggy listened to him and changed his destination to the nearest medical facility. Lila, tell me a story. Make hurting stop. Speaking of stop, let's get back to Casey, who's still on the public eye craft looking around for Spider-Man. This has got to stop. I'm wasting time. The next panel confuses me a little because it's a close-up of Casey, I think. And the speech bubble says, Casey, my love, if you want any hope of finding S-Man, then it goes to a bigger panel of her on the bike, then it's time to call in the reserves. Spider-Man saved my life and I always repay my debts. I think you're supposed to interpret that close-up as what Gabe had said to her at some point. Could have been a call, but there was no indication of any longer conversation going on at that time. Speaking of Gabe, cut to Uptown, where he and Dana are walking to his car. He's trying to tell Dana that he just has an appointment. She's not buying it, because right after seeing Spider-Man on broadcast, Gabe all of a sudden remembered he had an appointment. He even tells her, in a sarcastic way, he's going to shoot off to downtown to see if he can find some public enemy, or Spider-Man, that the public guy's trying to nail? Then he asks why would he do something like that. She's still not sure, but knows that he's not saying something, and says she knows he hates her. He retorts saying that he would never hate her. At the end, she asks what happened to his car. Vandals, but you know, I kind of like it. As he's driving off, he remembers what he said to her. He swears that he really does have an appointment, and that he'll be back in a few hours. She has him promise not to go anywhere near downtown. The tunnel that leads to downtown has a sign that reads, Proceed at your own risk, which is incredibly ominous. As he's driving through the tunnel, he's continuing to recall earlier. He tells her, yeah, right. Like, I'd be crazy enough to go into that hole. They don't even have maglav tracks, so no hover cars. It's the last place I'd go. 
In the last panel, we see that his car is on the ground, whereas normally it's hovering. Cut to a man in white being alarmed by the presence of watchdogs, wondering what they could want. As he walks out the door, which is revealed to be docs in a box, he announces himself as Dr. Morrow. He warns that corporate monitors are medical supplies, so if they're looking for a drug handout, they're out of luck. When no one speaks up, he goes to the buggy and finds an unconscious Spider-Man. It mirrors bones! Nurse! Let's see what the public eye is up to. They've met up with some watchdog guys that Spider-Man encountered earlier. Watchdogs comment how they're definitely a class disparity between them and the public eye. The public eye mocks them, saying that they can't keep their equipment in working order. But someone tells them all to shut up. They find him, not moving, but stationary. The watchdog with glasses says, Beautiful, I want a piece of that clown. The public eye officer immediately shoots down the notion, telling them they're taking it from there. Oh no, that freak webbed up my partner and me. He's our grab. The officer relents and even tells them that if they do well, they'll recommend them for a job uptown. One of the other officers asks why he's being so nice with those third-rate watchdog clowns, sir. He answers, cannon fodder, Danko. Danko praises this. Ah, you're always thinking, sir. Always thinking. Turns out there's a figure in the shadows watching them while perched on a chimney. It's dark so you really can't make out much, but you can see wings, so this may be the no vulture we read about in the summary. Which means we might be near the end of the issue. They think to themselves, now I wonder what those watchdog flyboys are off to in such a hurry. What could possibly be of such interest as to bring them downtown in the first place? What are they after? Back to the doctor's office, we see Miguel lying on a medical table. He's clad only in blue briefs and his mask drawn up to his eyes. The doctor hadn't taken it completely off. The doctor tells him he should be able to hear him by now. Weakly, he answers, Hmm? Lila? Tell him I'm dead. Call back later. The doctor answers, You're not dead, but you were close there. I'm Dr. Morrow, and... Miguel gets up. Gods, lie down. Are you crazy? You had broken ribs, lungs filled with fluid, multiple contusions. You have one remarkable constitution that you were still alive for me to help you. I knit the ribs, drained the fluid, but you'll need time to recuperate. You shouldn't move for at least 24 hours. Not about to listen, Miguel tells him. Got to get out. Get home. Everyone will be worried. You have to stay here. You're not thinking straight. Miguel's already putting his costume back on. You're going to hurt me. Everyone keeps trying to hurt me, disregarding the fact that he just helped you. But I can understand his distress after the week he's had. I didn't. I helped you. Don't you understand? I helped you because you're a harbinger of Thor. Now fully suited up. That stupid Thorite thing? You're not Thorite. No, stupid outfit. Most of us don't wear those stupid outfit. We take our beliefs seriously and don't turn it into a costume party. He extends his hand to Miguel. Spider-Man, please. He turns away from the doctor. Leave me alone. Spider-Man, you're making a mistake. Walking away, Spider-Man tells him, just one in a long line. When he's out the door, he's talking to himself. Shouldn't have been so rude. Guess I owe her my life. Shock it, I'll put her on the Christmas card list. The doctor hadn't come off as incredibly feminine or masculine to me, but it did seem like a man. Although I think he was still delirious and maybe thought it was Lila for some reason. He makes it near the car. Huh? The public guy and watchdogs arrive, having tracked the buggy. Ah, oh, no. Cruise, fastest possible speed. This time, however, the buggy doesn't move, with a screen displaying the message. Computer control overridden from central base. This unit disengaged. Contact base for further instructions. He destroys the screen. Terrific. The next moment, the buggy is rained upon with blaster fire and explodes. Get him! 
Why'd you blow up the unit, sir? It was offline. Danko asked the officer. To show him we mean business, Danko. He doesn't know we're under orders to keep him alive. Make life easier if we scare him into surrendering. As he's running away, he shoots some webs. Second unit, cut him off the other end of the alley. We're in pursuit. We are firing on subject. Watch out for stray bolts. While following him, we see that the lines are horizontal. He'd set a trap. Huh? Look out, he webbed up the... Ack. Oof. The two public eye cops are caught by the web lines, and their hover vehicles crash-landed. Rablam! Those flyboys taken care of, but we still have the watchdog's vehicle with a few guys. We've got him, Fuchs. Nail his sorry butt. They try to ram him, but Spider-Man dodges. They turn around the vehicle to try again. Don't move. You cannot escape. Spider-Man's got his back to a wall. Well, looky here. The glasses man walks forward towards Spider-Man. You look all out, Spider-Man. I should do you. You know, flippin' do ya. Give me an excuse. Go ahead. Twitch. Anything? He turns his head. Swoosh! Something comes in, seemingly decapitating at least three men, including the glasses man. Spider-Man looks on in terror. Good lord. He turns his head away. Blood. Everywhere. Smell of it. Get away. Just a second later, he's airborne. Get away? You got it, Spider-Man. Your wish is my command. We'll get far. Far away. The last panel is a man with tasseled pants, kind of like the Brady Bunch kids when they did their singing job. He's got a studded muscle shirt armor with a logo of a skull with wings attached to the skull. The back of the armor has metallic wings, but no obvious sign of propulsion or flapping. He's holding onto Spider-Man by the waist. We're going to be great friends, you and I. Great friends, believe me. When you put yourself in the vulture's talons, not even the sky's the limit. That's where the issue ends. Next, a wing and a prayer. After the break, we'll go over some thoughts and feelings about the issue. Reality is coming apart at the seams. And now I see why. The two gateways created a link between our times. Together. Across the expanse of time. We must defeat our enemies. And defy death itself. No! It's clear that Tyler Stone is controlling the situation more than we previously thought, and had the last issue killed Spider-Man, it may have ruined him. That not being the case, he's sure to be impressed. Of course, he may not have all the details of how he barely escaped alive and needed medical attention, but at the end of the day, he was shot really close multiple times, survived to run away, and lived to tell the tale. At the very least, it shows how durable and resourceful he is. The Doctor being a Thoriot was a fun reveal. It explains how he so readily helped Spider-Man and respected his secret identity. Otherwise, the world might already know it's Miguel. Miguel's mistrust toward the Doctor can seem a bit much, but I don't blame him since he almost died earlier that day. Now that the pair are airborne, who else do we know is airborne? Casey. So she might meet up with the two. Maybe a slight skirmish due to Vulture misunderstanding the situation, but Spider-Man will ride with Casey while Vulture gives us his origin story, as for alignment, I'm not convinced he's a good guy. He just killed several people when he could have easily knocked them out and accomplished the same thing. That willingness to kill greatly contrasts with Spider-Man's reaction to this being done, 
and the time he himself accidentally did the same shows how much they differ. Design-wise, he doesn't really look futuristic. The tassels on his pants are like 70s attire. Sure, his metal wings are cool, but we don't know how they move yet. Based on his shadowed perched position, they're retracted and then fully out. Not sure how much there is in between or how mobile they are. Like if he can hover in the air and shoot out metal blades like Archangel, maybe he can control them and pull them back to his wings and with some kind of future magnetism or something. There's potential for sure, but eh, they look pretty plain right now. Speaking of, I guess, Spider-Man himself wears a spandex suit. Granted, it's super durable, but nothing that looks futuristic. Though in Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, his suit has waves of light that come up making the normal suit look actually pretty techy. Or at least that it has lots of like LED lights on it. Gabe doesn't know that Miguel's being carried out of downtown, so he might run into public eye and watchdogs. He doesn't have a reason to be downtown, so he might be arrested or questioned. He has a connection to Casey, which connects him to Spider-Man. If they realize the connection between Gabe and Spider-Man, that'll mean Public Eye and Tyler Stone know it's Miguel, and things will get much more interesting. What do you think? Did you read the comic? Did I get something wrong? If I do and you guys let me know, I'll include a correction section in the next episode and I'll credit the user. Let's continue the discussion on social media and the YouTube VOD. You can find me at Thunder on Twitter and at Team underscore Thunder on YouTube. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to and you want to learn more about Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, check out Water Damage, an Aquaman podcast on Spotify and anywhere you can find podcasts. Be sure to follow that in this podcast to get episodes as soon as they drop. Mondromate, out. I've had it with this Jabbering Freak.